If you fail to learn, then you'll fail to grow. Learning brings change, and change brings progress. But on the flippity-flop, stagnation is the prequel to extinction. This is the podcast by Stone Creek Coffee. It is what it is. We're on to the second of the pillars that make our company what it is. Initially, we said there were four, but hashtag never stop learning. We may just stop with three. We'll talk about that next time. Today, we're actually going to talk about the mantra that uh, really came into the company three years ago, and that is never stop learning. We're going to go back to to a topic we hit on two episodes ago as we talked about moving Stone Creek from 1.0 to 2.0 and 3.0, and that is that the world changes around you, and you can be running a coffee company for 10 years, 15 years successfully, and wake up one morning and uh, your company more or less is eroding around you. Maybe that's putting it a little bit harsh, but the point is the world changes, and sometimes it can feel like we're victim. So, so then what do you do? How do you snap out of that funk? I'm Drew, I'm back here with Eric, and we're gonna start with this question. Uh, Eric, before you took what, what we'll call together a disposition of learning, uh, what were the things that, that you did or the things you were trying to do or the sort of what you felt as a person as you tried to turn the company around after 19 years of running decently successfully? So I, I think that the um, the transition, you know, that we've talked about on this podcast and certainly we talk about within the company from Stone Creek 1.0 to Stone Creek 2.0 that occurred six or seven years ago, I will contrast that type of learning that we went through then with the type of learning or the approach to learning maybe we have today. That learning was out of survival. And that's a hard time to be in a heavy learning moment because we had to change the business. We knew we had to change the business. We didn't know how to change the business. If we had known how to change the business, we would have already changed the business. So it was a difficult time to be, oh gosh, I need to learn something new. Sure. But I think the key realization and something that I carry with me today and teach here is that the learning started with me. And as the leader of the company at the time, um, if the business was gonna change, I was going to need to change. Um, so that was the sort of the observation. I don't, it wasn't sort of a moment, um, but I did come to realize that I had to stop being the victim. Now, I'm not someone who naturally feels like I'm the victim, but it was pretty easy for me to say, hey, we're struggling because Starbucks this or mm. local coffee scene that or the C market is at $3 or whatever we had a flood or employee x left i mean it's very easy for us to blame other people it's very difficult to look within and say maybe i own this problem how in the heck am i going to get out of this situation sure i'd say for me like coming into the organization i i came in in what you called the dip in the last episode of hey we're trying to change from 1.0 to 2.0 and our customers are maybe struggling to get it maybe we're struggling to articulate what we're trying to be maybe we're struggling to execute but i come in in this dip and my disposition is naturally for whatever reason one of bravado like that's my natural like oh i can solve this just out of my 
keen thinking or logic. Um, so I, it was important for me to own that. And I can remember a couple of conversations that, that we had together where you started to push me on my thinking to the point where I had to learn to just stop talking. Like, you're just trying to find the answer. If you keep talking long enough, you're pretty confident you'll find it. But it may not be the answer that's really going to help drive us into the future. So just shut off your bravado for a second and listen to a teacher, whether that's you in the moment or somebody else or a different company. Subject yourself to learning. You don't have all the answers. That's a really important conclusion to come to for your personal life, for your professional life, whatever. You're not going to grow very much if you think you always have the answer within yourself. You've been learning, Eric, now 25 years. Just having watched you as a coworker, as a peer for five years, um, you know, I've seen your habits around learning change. So what tips would you give to somebody who feels stuck? Like if somebody says, listen, I, there are things in my life, whether it's personally or professionally, that I think I need to do some deep learning around in order to get some progress and get out of this funk, what would you tell somebody? You're screwed. <laughs> You're helpless. <laughs> so I can only uh, express my, my experience, but what I did in those moments where I was trying to reset the business and ultimately, as I said, trying to reset my, my approach to the work. Um, I knew working harder wasn't going to work because I was already working hard and that didn't get the job done. So I knew it had something to do with a change in how I worked or how I thought about the work. And at the time I had a, ni a, a nice, um, great mentor, um, as I mentioned, I think on this podcast, but a guy named Lee Thayer who wrote a book, Thinking, Being, Doing, and, and one of his contentions, and I, I, I buy into this and other books have written about it, but it, it effectively it was about changing my habits and that we all operate from heuristics and habits that we don't get up and every minute we're, we're sort of consciously thinking about our next move, our next thing, that we go through the day pretty much on, on autopilot. Um, um, not that we're not awake to the world, we are, but that your brain has only so much capacity and it can't focus on every minutia uh, in your life, um, how to put your pants on, um, how to pick up a fork, like all these things are all um, built into our habits. And habits are not just sort of the physical habits of how we go through life, but they're the mental constructs mm -hmm. that we use to view the world. And it was only in beginning to break down my habits and what I did is initially I just carried a book around and I wrote down the habit I was trying to change and slowly over time I broke habits maybe similar to you Drew I I felt like well I own this company I'm a smart guy when someone asked me a question that means I have to have an answer mm. and oftentimes um, I did have an answer and oftentimes the answer was wrong <laughs> meaning meaning everybody's nodded their head and say, well, that sounds good, Eric, let's do that. You own the company. It's just that I was wrong. Mm. And we all went down this path and it was wrong. And so I, I've learned, you know, I've had to learn to stop talking so much also and switch from being a teller and doer to a, to a listener, to a coach, to a guide, to a questioner and that was a very difficult transition. Um, and most of the time when somebody comes and asks me a question, they're actually expecting an answer or they wouldn't have asked the question. And I, try, I had to, for a long time, stop myself from answering questions. I tried to answer every question with another question was sure. one of the things I tried to do to break the habit. But at the end of the day, 
for me, it was about changing the habits. One of the things I would pitch in if you're if you're somebody who really um, has a disposition to be the question answerer, which is uh, going back to my disposition, that's mine. And I remember a conversation where where you said, "Listen, you have an answer. That's that's fine. But if if you're going to perform a role like managing director, you can't be the question answerer. And so you have to let other people. You have to coach them how to answer questions. Because if you're answering every single question, or you're trying to solve every problem, there's only so fast and so far we can go as a business. So it's really important for the organization to coach the tribe toward learning. Um, so one of the things I've been trying to do in getting better at learning myself and then coaching other people to learn is do what's called making the facts unavoidable. I'm not very good at this still, and I'm endeavoring to get better. Um, but that, that concept comes from the book Good to Great, um, which is a really helpful book in thinking through what takes a really uh, productive, quote-unquote, successful company and makes them fall apart, and then what takes a mediocre company and helps them improve to the point where they can be truly impactful and sustainable. But this idea of making the facts unavoidable is helping people see what is actually happening, see the reality or the facts that surround them in their work. If this, then this. It's, it's sort of bringing logic to the forefront in every interaction so that we can't use uh, emotional manipulation or we can't use fatigue or we can't use passion to hide us from what's actually happening, that we're forced to come to grips with reality as dictated by the facts to influence our decision-making and behavior. So as much as you can talk, as much as you can ask questions, going back to what you said, Eric, um, to bring about the facts to the forefront of our minds and our conversations, that will help the learning because it will force it will force change based on those facts instead of actions based on well I want to do this or I feel like this is good or yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is when what I'm working on right now personally is that when I ask a question. I get the answer, why are we doing X, Y, Z, or how, how come this happened, or what is your view on one, two, three, and I wait for the answer, but I, I don't actually care about the answer because I'm waiting to ask the next question. The next question is, well, why do you think that's the answer? Um, so what I'm looking for is not the conclusion to their thinking, which is the answer to my question, the first answer. What I'm looking for is the framework upon which they came to their answer. And it's in that framework where oftentimes we make misjudgments, miscalculations, because we make a bunch of assumptions in the framework to get to the conclusion. And that is where I'm working right now, both for myself and with our team, is I don't question the answer, I question the assumptions that got to the answer. And sometimes that can be can feel a little, um, I don't know if it feels aggressive or um, challenging. It probably does. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm challenging the thinking because if you're asking me in my role in the company to take some action based on your thinking, I'm happy to do that, but I got to understand the thinking. Sure. And that's a type of, of sort of deep shared learning and we talk about learning as if we're trying to learn how to, I don't know, um, reset some burrs on a, you know, EK or something, but rather what kind of learning that is, is learning how your people think. You know, for me, it's learning how they think. And for them, it's learning a different, more disciplined approach 
to thinking. So uh, the way we define learning um, continues to get broader and broader, at least for, for me personally. The constant push to evaluate the thinking, to get back to the facts and the framework, show me the quality of your brain work that's led you to this conclusion. Quite frankly, it is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting to be to receive that pushback. It's exhausting to give that pushback and deal with the emotions that naturally come from this constant tension of idea versus idea check. Um, and some people just quite frankly aren't up for that dialogue. Very few people say, nah, I'm, I'm not really up for learning. That's not been something that we've really encountered too much. Pretty much everybody will say, yeah, never stop learning. Hooray, let's do that. Let's learn some stuff. Uh, the hard part is when you say, okay, here is what we've learned and now it's going to require change of us. Is that we, we can sort of demand learning and everybody's on, on board that train, but it, when it comes to implementing the learning into a change of actions, um, that's where we often encounter strife to some degree and where we've learned like with coffee geeks not everybody's a stone creek coffee geek in the same way not everybody never stops learning in the way that's required at a company like ours um, and so coaching coaching people to learning can be full of full of all kinds of difficulties one is that hey the implementation of learning is pretty hard um, and the other one is too, is that I don't know that learning actually is something that you really can coach people to that much. I think it kind of comes from, comes from yourself. So you're either driven to learn, you're, you're an explorer who's, who's trying to get better and is seeking out new ways to, to force yourself to become better at what you do, or you're just kind of okay with status quo. And some people are, seem more wired to be okay with status quo. Um, but that's just not the way we're built as a company and that's not what we're trying to create in an organization. So, you know, never stop learning is a nice value. It sounds like a nice sort of ethereal value, but for us, it's more of a commitment and saying, we will be this way. We will learn about what works and what doesn't and we will change to actually improve our execution based on our learning. And if you're up for that sort of pressure and work, that's great. That'll, that'll work well. We'll be a tribe that is deeply connected and is, is evolving quickly. If you're not up for that, then this probably isn't the tribe for you. And I use that term tribe referring back to Coffee Geeks and Seth Godin and his book Tribes in that we're a specific company on a specific mission and it's not going to be for everybody. In the same way, our never stop learning mantra, even though it sounds sort of ubiquitous within a education valuing culture, it's actually not in the way we mean it. To pick up on the change element, so never stop learning, the part that's not attached, as Drew has touched on, is never stop learning and, oh crap, now i got to change something. Mm -hmm. And it's the old crap realization that is hard at times. Um, we talk we talk internally at Stone Creek about being um, sort of radically transparent with what we say, meaning we're willing to say what we're, we're willing to kind of point out the elephant in the room at times. Um, and But the flip side of that is being radically open. So if I'm going to be radically transparent to Drew and say, hey, this budget is interesting, it's just that it's 
going the wrong way um, compared to where we were last year. So walk me through that. I'm concerned about it. It's causing me anxiety. Um, he has to be radically open to my questions. So part of being a never stop learning coffee geek here at Stone Creek means that you're radically open. You're willing to just shut up and listen and process and reflect and be open to whatever learning might be coming your way. And, and so learning is not always a, a proactive sort of active activity. Oftentimes it's a quiet, reflective thinking activity where you have to check your habit, your mental habits about who's right, why are they right, what is right, um, and have the discipline to slow down and be open to change and to the learning in front of you. And there's a small problem with that, and the problem is we all have egos. Mm. We all, we all want to belong. We all want to be seen by our peers, especially in a work context, that we're smart, that we're capable, that we have a right to be at the table. And that can be to our detriment at times because our ego will automatically jump in and say, I got it, I know what I'm doing, um, no problem, here are the reasons. When that isn't consistent with what learning is oftentimes where you have to slow down and say, I actually don't know, what do you think? Um, and that's that's just hard to do for all of us. Yeah, we like to talk and appear wise, and but if you're talking, you're not learning. You're assuming the role of a teacher, which is a pretty big role to assume. Like, you better be the most qualified person in that space to speak if you're gonna take the liberty to speak. But human nature is, if I'm not speaking, if I'm sitting there and letting something come at me, it's, it feels risky. You're, you're emotionally vulnerable. You're subject to somebody else's opinion. But learning requires you to be subject to somebody else's opinion. So I'd like to say I'm an expert on learning, but I'm not. That's part of the disposition of learning is to say, listen, um, that in pretty much every area of my life, there are pretty dramatic ways in which I need to change, I think, to be a healthier, more productive, more loving and caring and gracious person. And that requires going back to what Eric said earlier, habits of learning and, and disciplines of learning. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, talked about your habits evolving Eric over time but what are you doing now like what are what are the things you're actively doing today to learn or what are some things you're you're really trying to learn about yeah well as I said earlier I'd organize the learning into maybe two camps one would be learning about what somebody else is telling me meaning I'm trying deeply to understand the perspective the thinking um, and to challenge the thinking so that it's robust. So I, I am working hard to break my habit of rushing to my own conclusions, rushing to my own judgments. Hey, I've been running this company for 25 years. I know the answers. That's, that's what I'm trying to stop doing and say, well, what is your perspective and why? And we've learned and, and the data will tell us that we make better decisions when we do it in collaboration with other smart people who are um, wise in the area that we're discussing. Um, I guess what Ray Dalio calls the believable people. Who has the experience? Who has the knowledge to speak into this issue? And if they have a track record of performing in this area, then we better listen to them and we better calibrate with the thinking at the table. So that's the type of work I'm doing within the organization to learn about others and their thinking. The other 
type of learning that I'm doing is sort of learning about the external world. What's changing? What's new? What can I take and sort of use as a proxy for something else in my life? And so the things, a couple of things that I wrote down in preparation for, for the podcast today. So every day I read the newspaper. It's a habit that I've been doing for 15 years. Which and I actually, do you read? I actually read the paper. <laughs> I, read the, I read the New York Times every day, probably for 30 to 45 minutes. And if I see something interesting, I'll grab it on my phone and I'll snap it and not Snapchat it, but I'll snap it into my um, my drive and then I'll share it with whoever I want to share yep. it with. Um, I'll rip things out. I'll bring things into work. Um, um, when I'm driving, I'm listening to podcasts, um, a lot of different podcasts. I don't really post on Instagram, but I follow people on Instagram and I do what I call insta-save or insta-learn, where I'll snap a picture of something, whether it's a visual of an, an interior I love or whether it's um, uh, a coffee something that I see in Melbourne or somewhere else in the world. It's yeah. easy to, to learn from others in that way. Um, reading a lot, my, the book I've just recently read is Ray Dalio's Principle and Radical Transparency, Radical Openness, a lot of cool concepts that I, I've learned from him and his thinking. And, and then I'm, I'm just naturally curious. So I have, for my whole life, um, I have been out, I guess, in the world, connecting with people, learning from people, asking questions. So as you said earlier, it's a sort of a natural curiosity. Um, that's the one way I do learning, but then I try to connect the dots. So I saw this and I saw that and I saw this. What if I put those together to create something new? And I think that's what fuels my creativity or my desire to build things, is I take all these inputs and then um, try to create something. So I'm not a very old person. Um, I'm, I'm pretty well educated. As opposed for, to me. Well, just relatively speaking. But I'm pretty well educated. I've been through a lot of school. But, you know, I'm 29 years old. So for me, learning, like, it has to come with this understanding that, dude, you've only been around the sun so many times so where eric talked earlier about like listen for learning sometimes you just have to shut up and so <laughs> there have been multiple times where eric and i'll be in a conversation and he's presenting an idea and I, I just try not to say anything at all and it's it's me fighting against my habits and so i'll even say listen i'm thinking i'm processing i'm hearing you but i'm intentionally not speaking because i'm just trying to wrestle with what is being presented to me. So listen first, like some people that's their natural disposition, they love to listen. But for those of us who, especially those of us who tend to take leadership positions because of our personalities, because of the way we're sort of uniquely wired to be extroverted and sociable and assertive, um, we tend to talk and not be very good listeners and not very good learners. So you have to fight against the way you're naturally wired to put yourself in a position of learning. So I'm just trying to shut up level one. And then number two is, is have the personal discipline to use my idle time for self-benefit or self-growth. Self so Eric talked about podcasts and, and those times when I'm in the yard working or I'm driving to and from work. Sometimes my commute based on traffic can be a little bit longer. And so to use podcasts to put my mind in a, in a position of uh, learning or even to put my mind in a position of, okay, I'm shutting off work now, I'm going home. Um, podcasts have been really influential in helping me think through things and be in a pretty healthy mental state. 
And then the last thing I would add would be uh, Google. Um, like Google is a remarkable tool. The internet is a remarkable tool that we forget. Like we take for granted because my generation has been now raised on the internet and the next generation even more so. But there's an infinite amount of information out there for us to learn about anything and to gain four or five opinions on any particular subject at any particular moment. And if we just fail to take advantage of that, if we're trying to solve a particular problem, then we like we get what's coming to us. If we like, oh, I can't figure it out. Why not? You have so many opinions. You have so many options available to you. Go try and figure out what somebody else is saying and try to implement what they're doing. And then if that fails, do something else. But you don't need an original thought. You don't need a unique idea. There's no like divine clairvoyance you're gonna achieve that's gonna drive you into the future. Just find an idea that's already out there, adopt it, work with it, test it, and then try a different one. Eventually you're gonna find that, that path forward. So use the Googles. So I think one of the things that I was reflecting on for this podcast is that this idea of never stop learning, it's really more broadly, not, not just about Stone Creek Coffee or our work lives, our professional lives, but it really is the journey of, of, of our life, meaning we're, we're born into this world. Um, we get to taste things for the first time. We get to explore things for the first time. And as a child, we have this wonder, this delicious desire to, to see new things, try new things. And we're not encumbered by um, our experiences, our habits, some of the things we've talked about today. And so I see learning as this lifelong journey and at 50, I'll be turning 50 in a few months. I don't know, I have this past that, that, that was built on the idea that someday I would become and now I'm, I'm learning that, that life is really a, a simply a, a set of hours and days where we're trying new things, meeting new people, and that learning is the evolution and it's both symbolic within an organization but more broadly um, it's really how I try to live my whole life. Two weeks from now, we're gonna tackle our third pillar, and that is this idea that we are trying to create remarkable care. That as we are coffee geeks who never stop learning, the manifestation of the passion and the disposition and the learning will be a, a truly profound felt care amongst each other within the organization and with our customers on the outside of the organization. So thanks for tuning in. You can reach out to us with questions, show topics, um, anything. You can email podcasts at stonecreekcoffee.com. That'll come directly to me and I will respond to you. Or you can reach out to us. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Stone Creek Coffee. Couple folks to thank. Uh, first, Brian Kraft is our director of production, and we've been using his music as our theme music, so we appreciate Brian and his unique talents. Second, thanks to Ricky, who's producing the podcast now. And this podcast, you might hear ebbs and flows and stomps and rushing water and creaky floors. We record it amongst our green coffee storage at the Stone Creek Coffee Factory in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, one of the things we say on a regular basis is that we're hacking, not slacking. Uh, we, do, uh, we do what we can with what we have to work with. Um, and every, every day, every, every new project is an exercise in, in learning and improvement. 
So this episode is going live on New Year's Eve. So happy new beginnings to all of you. And we at Stone Creek Coffee encourage you to resolve to never stop learning.